Well, thanks for joining us here for another edition of Bearcat Rewind. As today we're talking some Northwest Missouri State tennis. We are joined by Lisa Pendrack Nolan. She was with Northwest Missouri State from the fall of 06, spring of 07, uh, through the 2010 spring as well. A native of Nevada, Missouri. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. How have things been? I know still in the area down the road in St. Joseph, still not too far away from Northwest Missouri State and the campus here in Maryville. Yeah, things have things have been good. I, I did not expect to actually end up here in Northwest Missouri, but uh, you know, this is this is where I am and I, I enjoy it. I you know, I'm forty five minutes away from my alma mater, so that's always really nice to be able to get up and see a game or catch a match when I can. So yeah, it's it's been really good. The fall tennis season has wrapped up already, but we're kinda of getting to the point the weather's changing. We had homecoming on campus last week. When you kind of stop and walk outside, does occasionally that that cool breeze hit your face and kind of takes you back to some older days of being in Maryville? Reminisce a little bit about, of course, winters on campus can be pretty ferocious, but also just your time up here at Northwest Missouri State. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the air is never quite as cold as when it was up in Northwest. I don't know what it was, but walking from Milliken to uh, Garrett Strong or walking from Milliken to Colden was just, you you had to bundle up. It was like you were on the Arctic tundra. So, <laughs> um, it, yeah, for sure. Like especially the Pitt State game last weekend. Both my parents were graduates of Pitt State, um, so it was kind of odd that the three of us, my oldest two sisters, we all played tennis at Northwest. We ended up at Northwest. Um, but yeah, that was always a fun time in our family too during the fall to see the fall classic, whether it be at Arrowhead or at um, Pitt or Northwest. Um, so yeah, it's it definitely brings back a lot of memories, both both with my parents and with my sisters uh, this time of year for sure. Those MIAA ties run awfully deep within the uh, the Pindrak family there. But for you, a two time All MIAA performer, you're a two time conference champion. If someone walks up nowadays and does ask you about playing tennis at Northwest Missouri State, what comes out? Is it kind of going back? To, I was pretty good. Are you a little more humble? Uh, well, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, my dad always taught me that, you know, even though you may be pretty good, there's always somebody better. And tennis is definitely one of those sports where there's always somebody better. So although I kind of look back and think, well, I was, I was pretty successful. You know, I was always above 500 every year. Um, and doubles was definitely my, my strength and my forte. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I was, phenomenal by any means but <laughs> i would say you know hey yeah i i played tennis for 16 years i i know a thing or two about it <laughs> yeah like, i'm pretty good if you want to play i'll show you a few things here or there <laughs> sure. yeah yeah that's exactly it like hey we could go out sometime but yeah I, i'm i'm pretty competitive still too so uh i can't really take it easy very often so <laughs> Take me back to, you mentioned, you know, the years of Milliken walking to class and that freshman year, 06, 07, of tennis-wise, you knock off a couple of regionally ranked opponents, you're ranked 10th in the region in doubles, you're a young athlete. Did you wrap your mind around the success that you were having at that time and collegiately doing it in this conference, or is that one of those things at that age, too, it's you don't know what you don't know? Exactly. Like, I, I didn't really quite understand um, what that meant. Uh, I was, you know, like I said, I, I have been playing tennis since I was about six years old. So, you know, every single year, that's, that's what we did during the summer. That's what we did during the fall. And so growing up that way, it's just, it's a matter of 
you you win a match and then you look forward to the next match. What can I improve upon? What can I do? So, you know, my freshman and sophomore years were very, like, uh, formative learning years for me. Uh, just kind of seeing where I fit on the team, like kind of seeing how I was growing as a doubles player, um, someone that I feel like coach could really rely on, that he could put just about anybody with me and we could be successful. Um, because, again, that's that's really what I was, I, I enjoyed and I thrived in that in that environment of like kind of that team uh, match play. Uh, so yeah, my my freshman and sophomore year kind of you know I, I I think it really was the turning point from my end of my junior year where I kind of really took control and was like I think I could really do some really good things. I can move up on the roster. Um, you know I, I worked really hard in between my sophomore and junior year and was able to make it to number two singles. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I, I guess I really didn't really understand <laughs> my freshman, sophomore year. I was just trying to survive and, you know, win matches for my team and, you know, really kind of find my place. And I think that really showed when I, when I uh, came back my junior year. So, you know, the great part about that, too, is, hey, freshman year, really good. You come back 20-7 and seven in singles as a sophomore. That was eighth best in program history at the time. You had a nine-match win streak. You were eight and two on the road. You talk about doubles and hanging your hat on that, and, and really good doubles records throughout too. But excelled in singles there, sophomore year as well. Was it the transition that summer, sophomore to junior, or was it a little bit at some point during that sophomore season that you're like, is this coming too easy to me? And you're just rolling through opponents there, especially in that March uh, of that sophomore year. Yeah, I think I really kind of hit my stride in that spring break. Um, I remember we were still in the northern region um, during that year, so we were kind of looking ahead to making another bid for nationals, um, getting to nationals that year. So I was just—I just remember my teammates that year. We we really meshed really well together. Uh, we had a really good time together, and you know we just really wanted to work hard for each other, and we wanted to be successful and that's like the great thing about tennis although it can be an individual sport um team tennis in college is just it's just another level like you're out there and it's at the time it was best of nine matches so you know my my point mattered and my doubles point mattered and that that I think really spurred me to like I said work even harder and that I knew that you know I wanted my teammates to be able to rely on me to get that point you know that's that was very important because you know if you split doubles and you go into match play for singles that a lot can be riding on you if you're down 4-4 and you're the last match going so yeah I think you know just the teammate aspect of like college tennis is just another level it's, it just makes it so much more valuable uh between your teammates and I I just really I really enjoyed that time I I, I love that competitive like your team's relying on you uh so I yeah I I guess I didn't realize it was it was going that well my sophomore year I was just in it you know so <laughs> <laughs> tennis is such an interesting sport when you think about the singles and doubles especially but if you're out there in singles and um, sometimes you're on an island and you're kind of focusing on I'm trying to win my point right here and trying to focus on what's happening here that there is that whole team component that does go along with it, and you're trying to make that push to get into a national tournament and and continue to go deep were you always just someone that was very coachable and team-centric? Because I feel like sometimes nowadays we do see, and not necessarily like Northwest Missouri State, but we see it on TV, the professional sports, a lot of that kind of goes back to 
what can I do to raise my profile and put this on social media and do this for myself? Was it always, you talk about the team, but is that something that was just kind of driven into you from a young age of the individual success is fine, but boy, if we can win that team title, that's ultimately what we want. For sure. When I, when I was younger, it was, I, I loved basketball. I loved to play basketball as well as tennis. Um, and so I just, I always really enjoyed that, that coming together of like you had someone that you could rely on and talk to and the strategy and, you know, kind of in between all of that. But again, you know, like my dad, my dad was very old school as well. So he raised all three of us in a way that it was, you know, it's not about me. It's about we, you know, I know he would, he would hate that type of talk, but that's exactly what it was. You know, it was very much of, you know, you could do everything that you possibly can. You can be the best player on the team, but if you're not actively encouraging your teammates, if you're not actively trying to do well, you know, to further the rest of your teammates, then you're not, you're not doing it right. And so, yeah, I, I really just kind of thrived on that environment of that, you know, there's someone relying on me, so I want to do even better. You know, when it just came down to me, I, you know, my, my sisters and my teammates will even tell you my, my freshman and sophomore year, I had a lot of mental struggles of trying to be like really mentally sound and, you know, a strong player in singles just because tennis can go, you can be playing really well in one game and then it can all go downhill real quick. And, you know, if you're not mentally strong, then that's, that's really hard to overcome. And like I said, in between my sophomore and junior year, I really found my stride of, you know, like I can do this, I can fight for this. And, you know, my, my mental game became a lot better as well. But, you know, before I could get there, I, I really relied on my teammates. You know, I, I relied on them to encourage me. And, you know, again, in college tennis, if, if you're playing your match and your teammates are finished, they come to the fence, they hang on the fence, they're yelling for you for every point. And I mean, that's, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of, you know, you get that encouragement from your teammates, which, like I said, it it makes a huge difference. You mentioned climbing the ladder both in singles and in doubles uh, as you went throughout your career. And so those junior and senior seasons, um, as you did raise your profile at Northwest Missouri State, the Bearcats also winning a couple team regular season titles at the collegiate level. I mean, along with the mental aspect of it, was there something on the physical side of getting in the weight room that's helping out? Was it just kind of the game slowing down because you're playing so much tennis that it just kind of, that feel's always been there. You've been playing it since you were six, but things do slow down as you get a little bit older and kind of wrap your mind around what's going on. What was one of the big factors on that side that helped you out? I think, uh, like, the biggest thing for me was just maturity. You know, I finally got to the point where, you know, I wanted to get into the gym and get stronger and I wanted to go out and practice and do the things. And not that I didn't want to do those things before, but, you know, I, it was more of a, okay, I need to go do this now. But, you know, something changed where I just felt like I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I've only got two years left of a tennis career at this point. Um, and I just really wanted to see what I could do. Like if I really put my mind to it and if I really worked hard, I wanted to see, how successful I could be. You know, I wanted, I wanted to get higher on the roster. I wanted to do those things. So, um, yeah, it was, we, we worked with the strength coach, uh, there at Northwest. I, I don't believe he's there anymore. There was, there was a guy named Adam. He was there. Um, I think in between my sophomore and junior year, um, Joe Quinlan helped out some, but he was more, you know, kind of focused on football and stuff, but he was, he was in there helping us too. And it was just, I think that made a little bit of a difference that I felt, okay, you know, like physically, I, I knew I could hang 
for three hours in a match. I knew I could be there, but it was like that, like I said, that meant tennis is such a mental game. It is so important that, you know, you play a point and no matter what happens, you move on to the next point. You can't dwell on it. You can't um, stew on that because it'll ruin the next three points. Um, and once I finally kind of wrapped my mind around that and kind of got around like, okay, listen, like you, you double faulted or you hit that ball wide when you should have done this. Like, okay, well then let it go. It's time to move on. Like we've got another point to play. And it, it almost made it more fun for me because it was then at that point, I wasn't so down on myself or I wasn't negative. I was, you know, constantly encouraging myself. And, you know, like I said, like it was just a, it was all mental at that point. I had the skills to be there and to compete but when I put it all together like it was it was just a lot more fun well you come to northwest Missouri State success throughout a four-year career but rewind it back and take me back to the high school years was Nevada (laughs) a powerhouse in tennis or or how did you get to this point so absolutely not (laughs) so what had happened was my oldest sister Jan she started playing tennis in between her her eighth grade and freshman year of high school And it was just something, she was a cross-country runner at the time. And she said, you know what, I think this looks like fun. I think I'm going to pick it up. And she was really good at it. So, of course, my middle sister, Gina, and I, we then decided, well, whatever Jan does, we want to do. Because she's awesome. She's wonderful. We'll do whatever big sister does. So that's essentially how we got started is because my oldest sister picked up a racket. And my dad was a student of sports himself. He walked on and ran track and uh, cross country at Pitt State. So he was always an athletic type of guy. He always, you know, enjoyed those kind of like single sports. Didn't know much about tennis, but he got all the books he could. He got the Chris Everett training videos. He got all the stuff that he could and, you know, really just drove that home to us that if you want to be successful at something, you need to work at it. And that was just kind of the mindset we had, you know, and it just so happened that all three of us were talented in tennis. Um, So my middle sister and I, we are two years apart, exactly. We have the same birthday even. Um, And by the time I became a freshman in high school, she was then a junior. So we were doubles partners in high school. And um, then my sophomore year, we were doubles partners again, and my dad actually coached us. So our freshman year, we made it to state. Um, but didn't make it to the second day. And then our sophomore year, again, we made it to state and doubles, but did not uh, make it to the second day. And then my third year, so junior year in high school, I played singles. I did not play doubles because I think, and I don't know if it's still the same, but in Missouri, you you either pick whether you're playing doubles or singles going into the state tournament. You can't, it's not like team like it is at college. So my junior year, I was playing singles. I won districts. Or no, I, I I lost districts my senior or junior year, but I made I got seventh in state, um, and so then my senior year I won districts, but then uh, didn't make it to the second day of state. So kind of off and on, you know, success in high school, but um, a few records at Nevada. <laughs> uh, it was not exact like I said, it wasn't exactly a huge powerhouse by any means. There was a few good players that came out, um, but they were all kind of in the nineties. Um, and then my sisters and I were pretty much, uh, I, I, we may have been the only ones to go play college tennis, uh, besides a few walk-ons elsewhere. Um, but I, I'd have to look, but I, 
I think I might still have the single season career wins and I might have overall career career wins at Nevada, but I'm not sure. Um, it's been a while since I've been back. so. <laughs> but always good records to bring up at Thanksgiving and Christmas, which are right around the corner of. Jan and Gina, oh, do you I, remember? They like to remind me, however, that half of those came when I was with my sister, which is not, that's not untrue. That's very true. So, <laughs> Hey, either way, it still works out. I love, too, the fact that it's, the the Pindrak household is steering the Nevada tennis ship at this point too to help it uh, uh, continue to rise that upper echelon. Um, as a freshman and as a sophomore playing doubles with your sister, obviously there's a certain bond, a certain connection that goes with that. Was there ever any bickering on the tennis court though, to where your parents are like, "Just play, don't worry about this, just go play." Oh, oh, absolutely. And you know that was the good thing though. You know, I looking back on it, it's like yeah, I could turn around and I could tell Gina exactly what was on my mind. <laughs> and then we could move on. You know, with anybody else, you're going to worry about their feelings. You're going to worry if you're going to upset them, but you don't worry about that with your sister. You say, "Hey, quit hitting those foreheads into the net. Get it over <laughs> the net." And then, you know, you move on. And she had no problem telling me those things either. So, you know, we I enjoyed playing doubles with her. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we definitely butted heads quite a bit, but I would, you know, if anyone, if anyone were to say anything against a single Pendrack sister, we all came, we all came at him. So <laughs> As it was way- definitely like an us against them. And only I can say that to my sister, not you. <laughs> As it should be. That's funny. So you mentioned that all three of you came through and played at Northwest Missouri state. Mark Rosewell is the winningest coach in MIAA history, regardless of sport. He's nearly 700 games over 500 for his career. Do you remember the recruiting process of uh, talking to a guy like that? Or was Jan, since Jan was there, did that just kind of nudge you in the direction so it didn't have to be as much of a process? Today's podcast is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash foundation. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Now back to this week's interview. So my oldest sister, she she was at state her senior year playing doubles, and um, Coach Rosewell was kind of off to the side, and we did we did not know who he was. I, I was there. I remember this. It wasn't an interaction because he wasn't allowed to talk to the parents, but he was talking to uh, my oldest sister's coach, and my mom overheard him, and he said he was interested in Jan. Um, here's my information, you know, this and that, and so that's how that ball got rolling. Jan ended up going to Northwest in um, the fall of 2000. And then my middle sister ended up going to Cowley County Community College, um, which is out in Arc City, Kansas, which is where my parents are from. And now you talk about a tennis powerhouse, it's Arc City, Kansas. <laughs> um, if you look that up, there's this family called the Louderback family, and they are phenomenal tennis players. The girl who was in between my sister and I she went and played tennis at Notre Dame and we went to tennis camps there in the summer. Um, that's, that's the, if you want to call it a family tree that we learned from, uh, came from Arc City, Kansas. So Gina ended up going out to Cali County for two years while I was still in high school. And then my senior year at state, um, it wasn't my best showing. <laughs> I did not play well, 
But Coach Rosewell was pretty much already set on me coming there because he had such a uh, good relationship and strong uh, relationship with my oldest sister. So uh, he had enjoyed, you know, having Jan, and Jan was a great coachable player for him for four years. Uh, so he already kind of had in the back of his mind that when Gina was finished with Cowley and then when I graduated, the two of us were going to come to Northwest at that time, which we did. So, uh, yeah, it was my oldest sister was pretty much the one who opened the door and got us all to go there. At that point, are you fielding any calls or conversations with other schools and coaches, or did you kind of have a pretty good idea that I want to be a Bearcat? Uh, there were a couple, you know, here and there. I think uh, Truman State might have shown some interest while I was there at State. Um, and then there was a couple of uh, community colleges. Uh, but I kind of I kind of had my heart set on Northwest as well. I kinda, like I said, I wanted to kind of follow in my older sister's footsteps. And, you know, the idea of going up here with, my middle sister was, I, I, you know, being the first time away from home, being three hours away from home, and uh, I, I very much wanted to do that. So, yeah, it was kind of like there, there are other options, but Northwest is where we're going to go, and Coach Roswell is who we're going to play for. Well, it's a decision that worked out well for all parties at this point as a, a 71 and 26 record across your four seasons um, at Northwest Missouri State as a team, a lot of individual success too. You wrap up at Northwest Missouri State. You go get a uh, BS to become an RN from Missouri Western and now working within the Mosaic Life Care System. Um, tell me about what this is like, too. You're an RN. You've worked around the operating room, orthopedic surgery, neurosurgery, general surgery. How did you end up going this route? Has it was it always kind of the medical field or bust? Yeah, pretty much. So, my again, my entire family are teachers. Um and I knew growing up, I did not have the patience to be a teacher. So <laughs> I was always interested in the medical field. I was definitely interested in, you know, like kind of the athletic training, um, physical therapy uh, side. And so that's what I ended up getting my degree in at Northwest was a uh, pre-degree pre essentially for physical therapy school. Um, it was a biopsych major. Uh, and it ended up I uh, met my husband my senior year at Northwest. And by the time I left Northwest in the December of, what was that, 2010, I was still having kind of a hard time getting into physical therapy school. My math scores weren't the greatest. <laughs> so, like, uh, taking the GRE and my math was just, it was just not great. Uh, so it ended up actually, I think, uh, if, if, if you want to call it fate, if you want to call it whatever, uh, my husband encouraged me to look into nursing because I had pretty much all of the prerequisites prerequisites already. Um, but he said, you know, like obviously physical therapy is not working out. You know, you why don't you look into this? So I did that. I, I uh, took a CNA course, which is a certified nurse's aide, and I worked in a nursing home for a summer and just absolutely adored it. I adored the older population. I adored that type of healthcare, you know, taking care of them and uh, got into nursing school. Uh, so I was living at home at the time. I was, at, I was back in Nevada, but I applied to Missouri Western because uh, my husband was working at Mosaic at the time. And um, I also applied and got accepted to Pitt State because that would have been 45 minutes from my parents' house, but ended up coming up here to St. Joe, uh, followed, followed love. So that's how I ended up back up here. <laughs> And uh, started nursing school in the fall of 2013, 
and graduated in 2015 um, and then started at Mosaic that that May. Yeah, so. Does it kind of feel like even though that wasn't your original plan, it's almost like it was a calling for you because you are, you're dealing with people and what could be a pretty difficult time of their lives, obviously heading into surgery for who knows what, but you obviously have a sunny disposition and you can also calm people and make them feel much more comfortable too. Like it's one of those things that seems to have has worked out really well. Yeah. So I, I like to tell people all the time that if I would have just, you know, listened to Brandon uh, more often, that's, that's my husband <laughs> and I, you know, it wouldn't have taken me so long to get here. So I'm sure he tells people I, uh, that too, right? You know, I started, you know, my nursing career and just, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I worked on the floor for three years um, before, you know, we were kind of having some troubles of, you know, not getting our hours and this and that. And it was Brandon who encouraged me to look into surgery. And so I I applied down um, to surgery in 2018, and I moved down there in December of 2018 on the um, orthopedics team. Uh, and then after having our second child, we, I came back and was on the general team, and then now I've kind of transitioned over to, uh, I still take general trauma call, but I am um, kind of the pediatric specialist, if you will, down in surgery. So I, I take care of a lot of our pediatric patients, and I, I really enjoy it. I, I think I've really kind of found my niche. I really enjoy my coworkers. I enjoy, you know, you know surgery can be scary for anybody, but especially for little kids. So um, having little kids of my own, I definitely feel like I can relate and I, it's my personal goal to get them to laugh and giggle and have a good time by the time we get back there. So <laughs> I, I definitely have found, found my stride for sure. And like I said, it's all thanks to my husband. He, he knew better. <laughs> so <laughs> you said it love brought you back up and now it's, it's paying off here too. So it's all sure. good. Uh, to rewind it back a few years too, and not, this is anybody that wants to beat a dead horse or go through this again but the COVID-19 pandemic was obviously difficult throughout the United States but around the world as well but one thing that we did see come from it is I feel like we saw renewed appreciation for uh, people that work in the healthcare industry uh, nurses doctors just anybody that's around doing anything uh, to help patients of course especially after that difficult time can you give us a snapshot of what that year and a half, couple of years was like as we tried to kind of navigate through that, now kind of breaking in and um, getting things back to the way they were? Yeah, so I, I feel like I kind of had a unique experience in that sense that um, I was pregnant with our second child when that kind of was kind of coming about. Um, he was born in March of 2020. Uh, March, he was actually a St. Patrick's Day baby, so it was like maybe three weeks before we had our government shut down. And so it was kind of a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, when we, by the time we had him, it looked very different than our first child. Our first child, you know, it was very, everything was normal. People could come visit. People were in and out. Like it was, you know, there was no problems. And then by the time I had Miles, um, we could only have one visitor at a time and it had to be the same person the whole time, which ended up that, you know, that was a mosaic policy that I, you know, will swear by at this point, you know, if we're, we're not having any more children, but if we did, I would totally go for that because we got a lot of rest. We mm. didn't have to, <laughs> yeah. we didn't have to entertain <laughs> anybody, but it was, it was kind of a scary time in the sense that, well, shoot, now I have this newborn. Um, my husband's going to have to go back to work in the hospital. He, st- he still works for Mosaic as well. Um, so we were, we were a little concerned about how that was going to look for sure. Um, 
Now, thankfully, he was able to work from home for nine weeks. So he was kind of able to stay home and stay around um, and not go out as much while we did the shelter in place. Um, and I was I was pretty hesitant to go back to work in June. I do remember there was one little, you know, a kind of scary point where, you know, I had this newborn and he had, he spiked a temperature because his sister had gone back to daycare and, you know, I was very nervous about, you know, do I take him in? Do I not take him in? Is this COVID? You know, did it get us? Like, are we here? And, you know, it was just, it was just very much the unknown, you know, it's like, what am I bringing home to my family? What am I, you know, so that was, that was all in the back of my mind when I went back to work in June. And uh, surgery was kind of nice at that time because we were testing every single patient for elective surgeries. So we knew well in advance whether or not our patients, you know, had been exposed or if they had any symptoms or anything like that. Um, and we were wearing masks, you know, all the time as soon as you walked in the hospital. And then I felt a little bit of extra precaution because we were, we had uh, PAPRs, which are like these hoods that you see on like movies where you know like in et they're all wearing hoods and that you know they're breathing through that so but they protect us from anybody who was uh, positive and so like we had extra extra precautions back in surgery now i know on the floor that wasn't exactly they didn't all have that um so it was kind of nice in that sense that like my clothes my shoes everything stayed at the hospital i didn't bring any of that home to my family um and I definitely remember in the fall, we had a big spike here in St. Joe. Um, I think it was between October and November where we had the, the hospital was kind of um, inundated with COVID patients. We were kind of struggling. We were at capacity and then some. We were opening up floors to take care of patients um, and surgery was slowing down again. So uh, they had us float to the floors to help out in any way that we could. And I do remember, I believe it was like the week before Thanksgiving, I was floated to the COVID floor to help, um, you know, help because those nurses were just, they were just uh, beaten down. They were tired. They were, you know, working like crazy. And so any of the help that we could provide, we did. Uh, but then I, I canceled my family Thanksgiving that year because I was worried to take it home to my 70-year-old mother. So, yeah, it was. It was a weird time. It almost feels like a fever dream mm-hmm. now. Um, I don't want to say things are lax because we definitely still take quite a few precautions if we know a patient is COVID positive. Um, but we're not testing everybody like we used to. Uh, it, it, things are a little bit different, but I feel like healthcare is forever going to be changed by that for sure. Um, I, I I don't know if it's, it's definitely not passed because I just took care of a COVID patient just two weeks ago but it's it's not as scary as it used to be um so that that has helped out some but yeah it was it was quite a time in all of our lives so <laughs> it was that was pretty wild because you're right the unknown right just exactly like, what's yeah. happening and i remember as things kind of started to ramp up for that it hadn't made it to the united states but we're hearing all these stories internationally it's elsewhere we were in wichita wrapped up a northwest basketball game and a coworker. i'm not going to name names but he had a cough, and he was coughing and kind of hacking up a lung. He's like, oh, don't worry, just a little COVID. And we had a good laugh. We went on about yeah. our business. And then all of a sudden, three months later, we're like, oh, this is bad. This is all your fault. Um, but, yeah, we were uh, like, wait a minute. This is actually real, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of wild how that's all come around. But, again, it's one of those things of if we can just kind of remember that, remember the long hours that so many people in your profession put in and all the, the precautions, that's um, 
you know, maybe that extra time in the waiting room or, or whatever it is will not be quite so hastily getting upset because obviously there's, there's a lot going on right now. And um, so we appreciate everything that you're doing professionally as well as what you did here at Northwest Missouri State as well, Lisa. Um, if you've got some time, I've got just a couple more really quick ones for you. Should be okay. much easier than the rest. Um <laughs> So you work in St. Joe. You obviously got a degree from Missouri Western, but you started at Northwest Missouri State. Um, you were 6-0 and all-time in career singles against the Griffins, 6-1 and in career doubles. There were a couple of those um, that you didn't finish because the team won the match ahead of time anyway. Do you ever hold that over the Griffins' head as you talk to anybody in St. Joseph, just how you owned that school while you were in college? Absolutely. I, I can't remember the exact year because I know last year I Last year or the year before might have been the first time that Missouri Western has beaten Northwest in women's tennis in probably, I think it was like 35 or 40 years. I know at one point it was a 35-year um, winning streak that we had against Missouri Western. Um, so, yeah, I, I like to remind people of that a lot. I have a lot of, like, St. Joe natives that I work with, and I have to remind them a lot that I'm not I'm not originally from here. And I, I like to tell people I went to nursing school at Missouri Western. I didn't. I I don't have any other uh, dog in that fight other than that. And uh, I like to remind them again, like I said, of you know, playing for Northwest, and then uh, every time we played Missouri Western, that was something that was circled on our calendar because it meant a lot to coach, um, and so it meant a lot to us. We wanted to make sure that we beat them, and we beat them soundly. And when I was there, that definitely happened. <laughs> it, it happened quite often, that is for sure. Um, do you have any good Mark Rosewell stories since you happen to mention Coach? Oh, yes. So, uh, I, you know, I, I told you about my oldest sister, Jan. I can't remember if it was her freshman or if it was her sophomore year. They were playing at Southwest Baptist, which is down in Bolivar, Missouri. And... Uh, she had quite a few of the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is where we always got our lessons. And so there were some Pittsburgh, Kansas guys who were out and about on that team. And uh, she was talking with them, and Coach got in the van with the team, and he left. And he didn't realize he didn't have Jan with him. <laughs> and so this was before everybody had cell phones. So somebody just had to remind him maybe a little bit ways down the road. Yeah, I don't think he got all the way on the highway, but... <laughs> He said, hey, why isn't Jan in here? And he's like, oh, my gosh. So they had to go back and get her. And so after that, my sister would always go to, she would leave a Post-it note on the steering wheel that says, do you have Jan? With a big question mark. (laughs) (laughs) To make sure he did not leave her again. (laughs) Hey, that taught a good lesson. Don't talk to the Pittsburgh State people anymore. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so that was was always pretty funny. And then he... uh, he coaches, if anything, he's, let's just say he's a saver, okay? So he, he likes to go for the deals. He likes to go for the, the cheap, the cheap option, which isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. So anytime that we would be driving through Nevada, so whether that being going to Bolivar, driving to Springfield, starting our, you know, spring break Oklahoma tour, he would always we would drive through Nevada. And now he had a, he, a sister who lives in Nevada. So, uh, you know, that, that was one reason he was there a little bit more often. But with the two vans, if any of us were in the vehicle with him, he'd say, hey, Lisa, you want to call up your mom and see if maybe she wants to make some dinner for us and we could stop in Nevada and stretch our legs? I said, sure, coach. So I'd 
call up my mom and say, hey, mom, in about two hours, you got about 20 college kids. Who's going to be stopping at the house? Do you think you can make something for us? <laughs> and, and she would. She'd either make spaghetti or she'd make nachos or she'd have, the, you know, we'd, we'd all stop, we'd eat. You know, there'd be the 12, you know, probably what, six or seven, eight girls and then eight boys and she'd feed us all and then send us on our way. So, <laughs> You know, after the first one or two times, then she just kind of started stockpiling, I'm sure, say, next time you come through, I'm ready. Yep, yep. She said, I, I know if you guys are driving this way, you stopping by. And so we'd ask Coach. He said, well, that'd be really nice. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, budgets are tight. I get it. But, uh, they, they, hey, they don't come any better than Coach Rosie. Just a good guy. Oh, yes. He's, he's pretty wonderful. We still hear from him every once in a while. And he's been a good friend even after we left Northwest. So, you know, I, he, he's, uh, he's a pillar at Northwest for sure. He is, definitely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate everything you've done at Northwest Missouri State throughout your career. Then, of course, sticking around the area and working down the road at the hospital as well. We appreciate you and uh, look forward to talking again soon. All right. Thank you very much. It was fun. Thanks once again to Lisa Pendrack-Nolan joining us here on Bearcat Rewind, a two-time All-MIAA performer and a two-time MIAA champion while at Northwest Missouri State. Last week on the podcast, we had Caroline Cunningham, one of the most decorated runners of all time at Northwest Missouri State and last year's MIAA cross-country champion. Before that, MIAA basketball media day, Dave Tollefson, Charles Gaddy, Tom Funk, and many more. Check out those archived editions of Bearcat Rewind, and please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next week.